Blessings, church. <clears throat> it is a great and glorious morning as we convene back again via uh, internet, but I pray that uh, you've had a restful evening and uh, you're gathered together with your, your loved ones and you're ready to praise and worship the Lord. Hopefully you've already been praising and worshiping Him this morning and uh, ready to get into the Word of God. Um, I'd like to first start off by saying that I know that a lot of people are hurting right now, and a lot of people are searching for hope. Well, God has just the right thing for you and I today. His Son, Jesus Christ. Today we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday, or some would call it Easter, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And hopefully you've had uh, an opportunity to study through some of the scriptures that have been up on Instagram and uh, Facebook this week. Uh, pertaining to the Passion Week or Holy Week, and uh, it's just been a, a great time to be able to just really just dig in and and just soak up just all that's gone on, uh, you know, times back of, of what happened this week during uh, the Passion Week, and just so grateful that we serve the true and living God. We celebrate the resurrection, the fact that He's conquered sin, death, the grave, any kind of brokenheartedness, any kind of... Uh, thing that would cause you pain or discomfort, Jesus Christ has conquered it once and for all. And so we, we celebrate this morning praising and worshiping him because of the great work that he did upon that cross and the fact that not only did he lay his life down, but he took it back up. And in wake of this coronavirus and the shelter in place that we're still under, my prayer is that this Resurrection Sunday would hold a very deep place in our hearts, maybe almost unlike any other Easter that we've ever celebrated, and not necessarily for the fact that we're physically not there together, but just, uh, you know, the immensity and the gravity of what we're all walking through during this time in this season of life. Uh, let's just go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll get into uh, the portion of Scripture that we'll be in uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you again, Lord God, just for your great work. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Father, we, we need that so much on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Help us to never forget and to always remember, Lord, who you are, who your son Jesus Christ is, what he's done for us on the cross, the fact that his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and now we can have a right relationship with you through the profession of faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given uh, freely to everyone who would choose to believe, Lord, and that we have the comfort and the hope, and we have the ability to, to do what you call us to do. We can honestly serve you with a pure heart now because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Lord, you give us the ability to rightfully divide your word and uh, to understand your word and to apply it, apply it to our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit living within all of us. And so we thank you for that. May you uh, make your word come alive to your people today, Lord. May you speak, Lord. May you burn away anything that's not uh, of you in me, Lord. May your servant speak. May the Holy Spirit, excuse me, speak through your servant. And may uh, just your will be done. Father, we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning we will be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And uh, I love 
just the application of these verses because it just speaks to the truth of Jesus's resurrection and what this means for us as sinners converted and saved and now followers of Jesus Christ and the great hope that we have that we can continue to rest upon uh, whether times are good or whether times are dire and very trying and challenging. We have this hope and this should always continue to uh, just encourage us and us as believers in Christ to continue to embrace this and allow him to build up our faith more and more and strengthen us and help us to, to move to action, to live out our faith and to share the love of Christ with those around us. So I'll go ahead and just start uh, in verse three. And it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And I've entitled this message, Our Living Hope, Our Living Hope. And that's exactly what it is. Uh, the fact that Jesus Christ is, is alive and interceding on our behalf, seated at the right hand of the, of the Father in, in the utmost uh, place and position of glory and honor uh, in heaven. Uh, we have this hope and we just trust and we bank on what the Bible says is valid and true and we can rest on that because we know God's word is infallible. Confirming how true Jesus Christ is, is what these scriptures are, 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 are showing us. And that our only hope now and for eternity is found in him alone. That's the whole reason. That's the whole point of why we worship the Lord. You see, because he alone conquered sin and death forever. No more do we, we have to ponder or be worried, where the Bible tells us clearly uh, to worry about nothing, to pray about everything, but to not be concerned about these things because we know that in Christ is our resurrection, is our hope, and what he's done has 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 just basically obliterated all that and given every person who chooses to believe in him a fresh start and, and, and a hope of eternity with him forever. First Corinthians chapter 15, this is just a side note, uh, you know, when you're on your own time during the week, uh, that's a great chapter to study out more about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it goes into great detail in that chapter about, you know, uh, basically what it means him being, you know, the, the first one to, to resurrect and then every other believer after him and just all the implications of what the resurrection means for us and for the world at large, for people to repent and turn to Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. There are three main points that I like to focus on this morning, on this great day. And the first one is glory to God, the father for all he has done. You see, <clears throat> excuse me, as we begin to understand what it means to really be saved, what does it mean to be saved? When we really begin to understand this, what it means to be saved, how 
we are to live saved lives. And ultimately, what we are saved from, we can't have anything but a grateful heart towards God the Father. <clears throat> there would be, would be nothing coming out of our lips but praise for Him. We, we wouldn't be backbiting or slandering or, or being critical of Him uh, per se, because we understand all of these things of what He's done for us. You see, through Jesus Christ, Mankind has been shown the greatest gift of mercy one could ever be shown. That's the greatest act of love is what Jesus did upon that cross. Giving his life as a ransom for many, excuse me, as the Bible says. The second main point is we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. You see, many people have many hopes in many things or many different people, but only Jesus Christ offers never failing, unshaking, unchanging hope. Nothing else in this world can offer that. Everything else at best is shifty and shaky. No other faith or religion can lay claim to this eternal salvation. Because everything else, whether it is spiritual or secular, is all work-based. It's all what we can do to earn favor with God and be right enough in His sight. So when our time comes to pass on, we may get a pass and get into heaven. Christianity is the only faith-based religion or, or relationship, I should say, where God the Father comes down or Jesus himself comes down, the hand of God comes down from heaven, from glory, into the muck and the mire of a dirty, sin-filled world, what we made it as human beings with our free will. And he pulls us out of that and cleanses us and deems us right to be fit for the kingdom of heaven. And so that is just a great, glorious hope or just a, a truth that we need to embrace and, and know that we're secure in that. It's such a beautiful picture of true love. And the third main point is we are protected by the power of God and our salvation is secure in him alone. The same resurrection power in Jesus Christ is the same power now, today, this moment, keeping and protecting every single child of God. So in our brief time this morning, let's go ahead and begin to unpack these few verses and receive the rich truth that the Lord has for us. Amen. All right, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessing or to be blessed. Many people say it and use this word or this term, but do we truly know what it means? You know, I noticed not lately because I have truly have not been going out too much just for essential things. But before all this uh, pandemic, you know, hit, I would notice a lot of people walking around with these t-shirts or sweatshirts that say blessed, just in big, bold letters, blessed. And, and uh, you know, 
I, I would notice that. And, and it's cool. Don't get me wrong. But do we understand the biblical definition of being blessed? You know, because a lot of times, you know, we say, oh, uh, you know, I, 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 I got this, uh, you know, I got this house or I got this anything material and we say it's blessed. And, and rightfully so that that's part of it. But to be blessed is to be granted special favor by God with resulting joy, meaning no matter what situation you're in, you can have joy. That's the true essence of being blessed. Uh, Paul said it great when he said, you know, I've learned to be content in, 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 in having much or having very little. That contentment, finding what is contentment, it's contentment in Christ. It's, it's, it's finding your joy and your hope in him and him alone. And that's a joy that's unspeakable that nobody can take away. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's in Jesus Christ is peace. So it's it's Jesus that is the essence of being blessed, having a, a, a fulfilled relationship with him. You see, however, the emphasis is more on spiritual rather than on material blessings. And I'm not saying that you can't be blessed by receiving material things, but that shouldn't be the end all goal for us as believers in Christ. It's, it shouldn't be what we receive physically from the Lord. Now, there are many things that we need that are physical <clears throat> excuse me, and tangible. And the Lord will provide our needs according to what we what we truly need. But a big a big time a big thing sometimes is, you know, we don't recognize the difference between what we need and what we want. And so I want us to just have a clear understanding of what the biblical definition of being blessed truly means. The most recognizable references to blessing come from the teaching of Jesus, as they should. He declares that in spite of difficulties at the present time, the promises of God's salvation and coming kingdom bring a state of happiness and a recognized favor with God. And as I started off this message saying, I just have been sensing throughout the week that Many people, not even just people in the church, but just worldwide in general, obviously, right? It's not, it's not a, not, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to sense and see that people are hurting. People are struggling right now. People are searching for answers. And you can find that in Christ. You see, we need to know this today that despite our difficult situations in our present time, that we can be blessed, that we can have a joy unspeakable to others because of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, I truly believe he wants us to share that. He wants us to open our mouths and, sh and say, hey, this is how me and my family are getting through this hard time. We're trusting in the Lord. We're praying to 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 God. We're 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 doing Bible studies. We're fellowshipping with one another. You know, through the social media platforms, we're we're staying connected. We're staying rooted and grounded in the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and that's how we're getting through despite these crazy circumstances that we're all facing. So now that we know what the the term blessing means in a biblical sense. Let's look at our text. And it says, Blessed be the God and our Father and the and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, it is also possible not just that we be blessed, but we as people can bless God. The terminology comes from 
a response to the blessings given by God. Psalms chapter 103 verses 1 and 2 uh, paint this picture. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This meaning of bless, it typically translates to praise. So in this, in this text, excuse me, believers are blessing and praising God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for his great mercy, for the great mercy that he's given to us, for the ability for us to receive Christ and his resurrection and the salvation that's found in him. As, again, we must understand, you see, the biblical meaning of mercy to truly understand why would we even praise him in the first place? You see, many people ask this question, well, why should I praise God? You know, why should I praise God when my situation is so bad and it's so hard? And if he loved me, then why did why did good things happen to bad people? And, and, and why do bad people get away with everything? And it seems like this world is just turned upside down and I'm so frustrated and it's chaotic. And everywhere you look, there's just a bunch of madness going on all over the place. Why should I praise him? Well, see, we have to understand what mercy means to truly understand why we should praise him. You see, mercy is a quality that's intrinsic to the nature of God. God's mercy, unlike human mercy, can't be exhausted. You know, with us, we will do those things like, uh, what did Peter ask Jesus? How many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus said 70 times seven. It's not some mathematical equation, but Jesus was getting to don't keep track. Don't try to, don't try to, you know, be like, well, I've forgiven you so much, but now today, you know, I just can't do it anymore. No, that's not what, what Jesus was, was, was saying at all. And that's the same thing here. You see God's mercy, like I just stated, it's unlike human mercy. You know, we, we only go so far and then we'll, we'll off a person. We'll say, no, I have nothing to do with you. I can't, you know, you cross me too many times. I'm done. But see, God cannot be exhausted. His mercy. But don't get me wrong, the other side of that is, yet divine mercy is not blind nor dumb. Although God may tolerate rebellion with mercy for a period of time, ultimately ungodliness will be met by a withdrawal of God's mercy leading to judgment. And, you know, one of the first things that pops in my mind about that is, is Pharaoh and, and, and dealing with God's people. As many times as Moses had, had said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And as many times as Pharaoh said, oh, I'll consider it. Oh, okay, yeah, you can do it. Then he changed his mind. As many times as, as many plagues had come upon the land of Egypt, you know, the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. He had already made up a decision in his mind, in his heart, that he was not going to do it. And so up to a certain point of time, then God finally said, you know what? I'm done with you. You can't, I'm not going to give you mercy anymore. The, the the plagues that hit Egypt were actually God displaying his mercy upon the land of Egypt, giving them a chance, giving Pharaoh a chance to repent and to turn from his ways and to let the Israelites go. But he refused. And so we see truly that God is no fool and he will not be mocked as the Bible said. You see, since all people, you and I, are born sinners, it's safe to say mercy is God withholding what we truly deserve. We deserve his wrath. We deserve his final judgment that, 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 that pushes us out to utter darkness, to be apart from him 
unreconcilable for eternity because of our willful rebellion against him, because of the sinful nature bound up in our hearts. So this is why we bless the Lord God Almighty, because he provided a way for us to be born again through the living hope of Jesus Christ. In his resurrection, we are secure. And this is the whole crux of why we praise him, why we bless his name, because he provided a way out where there was no way out. Without it, we are lost not only now, but we're lost forever in eternity. Here's a question that I truly pray you would consider. How often do you think about what Jesus Christ has saved you from? Just take a moment in time and and think about that. The application for us this morning is, the reality is we are saved from God's wrath that we justly deserve because of our sinful rebellion. When we seriously understand what Jesus Christ has saved us from, we can never be the same. Our lives will be altered forever. That's like when you hear people say, or that song, you know, no turning back, right? No turning back. Seeing what has been done, even though it was just horrible, the things that happened to that man's family, the fact that he truly had an encounter with Jesus Christ and accepted the love of God could not turn back. No going back. Forever changed. Forever led down a path to serve God the remainder of our lifetimes. You see, the term born again refers to a spiritual birth. It's this regeneration, this supernatural act of one's soul being saved, being altered and changed for the good to be able to have a right standing relationship with God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a Christian without a fresh beginning based on the salvation that Jesus Christ provides. This is the means in how we are saved. These are the, this is the means in how we are right with God the Father. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is through his resurrection power. To be born again is the greatest, hear me, the greatest gift one could ever receive. And if you've settled that this morning, that is the most important decision that you and I will ever make in our lives. And it is, have we received the free gift of salvation offered by Jesus Christ? No other decision holds that much weight. It doesn't matter what it is, not where you go to school, what career you're going to have, where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, what you name, what are you going to name your kids? None of that, none of that, none of that stuff. It pales in comparison to this one basic question that holds eternity in its hand. Next, we'll read from first Peter chapter one, verse four, and it says, Continuing on from verse 3, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I mean, this is, this is such a beautiful promise that God provides for all believers. He offers it to all people. But to all believers, this is a beautiful promise. It is that this hope of salvation lives upon the unfading uncorruptible work 
of Jesus Christ. That's why you can bank on it. That's why you can put all your eggs, so to speak, in one basket. You put all put it all on Christ. Don't bet on yourself. You're betting on Christ. I'm banking on Christ to come through for me because I know everything else has failed. I can't put my hope in myself. I can't put my hope in in the almighty dollar bill. I can't put my hope in the stock market. I can't put my hope in scientists or medicine, but I can put all my hope in Jesus Christ that in him it's unfading and incorruptible. You see, this beautiful promise is kept in heaven for us. This is a great this this is an example and an illustration that there is a great difference between this inheritance coming from Christ and an earthly inheritance. I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and I, and I think it's very timely for this, uh, this context and for this portion of Scripture. And it says, Other hopes fade like withering flowers, the hope of the rich, the boast of the proud. All these will die out as a candle when it flickers in the socket. And obviously, the Word of God confirms this thought of, of Charles Spurgeon as well. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 tells us the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And uh, like I said, as, as you know, I haven't been going out much this week, but an example kind of that speaks to this. Um, so I did go out. Uh, well, my wife did. She went out and, um, you know, she had got some groceries from my parents. They, they needed, you know, just basic essential stuff. And so... Uh, she had went there to to get some stuff and uh, came back with some pineapples. And these pineapples that we received from my parents, they had great intentions. They wanted us to use them. They weren't going to use them. Um, but when my wife had had looked at them, you know, and took them, taken them out of the bag, they were, they were, there was like mold. There was like the 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 the, the leaves on the top were a little withered, and the, the kind of little kind of diamond patterns around, you know, the pineapple around the outside of the the, the pineapple, they were kind of they were kind of molded. And so, you know, she's like, well, I don't know if I could salvage it. And I'm like, man, just throw it away. You know, I don't want that in the house. You know, we already got issues with stuff. It's, you know, we don't need that up in here. Um, so anyway, she, you know, proceeded to, you know, cut open the, the, the pineapple and she's like, oh, well, I found some spots that were okay. And so, you know, she, you know, she tried to salvage it, but no, no, um, you know, at the end, I mean, it would, they were molded through and there was nothing we could do with it. I bring that up because you see, unlike, this these moldy pineapples that we that that we that we had God's promise won't rot away like that you see he he is true to his word he's unper it's unperishable it's undefiled it's not going to be corrupted it's not going to be molded right his his promise of salvation is secure in Jesus Christ and again contextually it helps for us to understand the history of the old testament to see how this inheritance relates to us today this whole idea of inheritance what we receive the salvation given to us by Jesus Christ you see the jews had looked forward to an inheritance of their own to be able to enter the promised land of canaan even though they did receive the right of inheritance they eventually defiled their faith by worshiping false god gods excuse me you see, the people's sin caused their promise to become a fading memory. We know that only two entered into the promised land, Caleb and uh, <clears throat> Joshua. Christians today look to another inheritance. It's a priceless inheritance, and this is eternal life 
in the eternal city of God. It will never fade away or decay, and it will be unstained or marred by the effects of sin. You see, the application is this. When you truly break it down, when you really begin to understand what our inheritance is, it's actually the gift of God himself. That's the whole reason why we should be rejoicing, because we'll be in the presence of God Almighty forever, unhindered by the effects of sin, free from pain, free from heartaches, free from disappointments, free from sin, and finally free from physical and spiritual death. This is why only true born-again believers who are regenerated are the only ones who can truly experience and appreciate this gift. But you see, it's not a it's not a it's not a sorority, it's not a secret society. God's desire is that none perish but all come to repentance and all receive the free gift of salvation. And this is this is what's been impressed upon my heart so much in these last several weeks is that I truly believe God's desire is that people turn back to him and repent, that this coronavirus would wake people up to understand we need God. We need Jesus Christ. This country, this world needs the Lord. And that's only going to happen if we see in our hearts and we're, we're convicted and we see the sin in our own lives and we understand that we cannot cleanse ourselves. There is no magic scrubber. There is no Mr. Clean. There is no Lysol Clorox bleach that can clean away and take away the tainted marks of sin in one's heart and one's mind. But it, the Lord Jesus Christ with his blood, the pure blood, the, 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 the unstained pure blood of Jesus Christ can take away that guilt and that shame and replace it with love and comfort and security in him. And that's what we need, church. That's what we need to share with to the world, to those around us, to our family members, to anybody that we come in contact with through social media or whatever. They need to know the love of Jesus Christ. As a sinner without Jesus Christ, we are not capable of enjoying this inheritance, let alone receiving it. It's simply like this. It's like telling a blind person to enjoy a magnificent, beautiful sunset. How can they enjoy it physically or visually when they don't have sight? Or how can a blind man or woman enjoy and, and admire a famous painting in an art museum if they don't have vision or sight? The same goes for us. If we don't have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, if we have not accepted the free gift of salvation, how can we how can we accept and experience and appreciate the inheritance that's being offered to us on a daily basis? We can't. All right, let's look at this last verse, verse 5, and it says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? The promise of our inheritance is certain because we are kept by the power of God. It is his power and not ours that helps us to endure this world until Jesus Christ returns. The application for us is the person who is kept is a person abiding in a continuing relationship of faith with God. Right here we see the picture of communion, the picture of a union between God and man, that, that relationship that's going on between the two. Literally, 
the union between God and man through the blood of Jesus Christ. Likewise, we also see that we must abide in Christ, not a religious ritual like church service attendance, not knocking that, but that doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't save us, that doesn't give us a relationship with God, but a genuine relationship with Him that stretches to every aspect of your life and mine. You see, in how we think, in what we consider, in what we do, understanding that He's with us all the time. If we, if we think God is only seeing us when we're sitting down in a pew or in a chair with a, with a pastor in front of us, we're sadly mistaken. He's with us when we go to the bathroom. He's with us when we go open the refrigerator door. He's with us when we put our head to bed. He's with us when we're clicking through the channels trying to find what we're going to binge watch. He's with us all the time. You see, John 15, 4 is clear about abiding. And it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, those who don't want to accept the absolute truth that Jesus Christ resurrected truly don't want to accept it because it means they're held accountable. If one is held accountable, that means they can't just do whatever they want, when they want to, how they want to. When we submit to the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, that means we are subject to all he says and teaches and his true and pure judgments. And if our lifestyle is not in agreement with the principles that Jesus teaches, if we are blinded by pride, guilt, shame, basically our flesh, and we choose to not submit, it reveals that we love our carnal nature more than being freed from it. You see, that's why Jesus came. He came to free us and to pay this debt that we could never pay, but to also free us from the shackles of sin, the shackles of our sinful nature, our flesh. But the good thing is, despite all of this, Jesus Christ is greater than our carnality and our sinful nature there's something that's called repentance. We all know what that is, but it's never, uh, it's never a bad thing to revisit basic biblical truths and understand what they truly mean. Because maybe we forgot. Maybe we've grown numb to the situation. Maybe we feel like because we're home and we're not seeing people face to face that we can do whatever we want. I don't know. But I know that repentance is real and it's true. And it means to change your mind, your thinking, your view, or your perspective. To repent means to ask for the power to realign your thinking to that of God's way of thinking, to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. Those of us who have been blessed with the ability to repent have the comfort and security of knowing that it is in God's power alone that holds intact our salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'll, I'll end with this verse before we pray. John chapter 11, verse 25. And it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And that is exactly what we're celebrating today. This is what we're celebrating every single day that we get up and we have breath in our lungs. 
that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He makes it clear that whoever believes in him, though we will die a physical death because of the effects of sin in this world, we shall live eternally with him forever. That is, that is such a comfort. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord, not your circumstances. When our eyes are fixed on our circumstances, we remain blinded by our circumstances and God looks small to us. But in essence, God is greater than all of our circumstances combined. We keep our eyes fixed upon him and we will be okay. Amen. I know as it's Resurrection Sunday, the Lord put it on my heart that uh, we offer communion, that we offer, still offer communion. We may not see each other face to face, but you can take this time and uh, either you know go to your kitchen and get a get a cracker get a piece of a cracker get some grape juice or it doesn't even need to be juice whatever you know it could be water if you don't have it it's not like the lord's going to trip you know we're doing what we got to do but it's it's an observance of of what he's done for us but i i'd like to take this time and just pray uh for uh for communion for believers in christ those that are that call jesus christ their their savior and their lord uh that we could do this and partake in this together no matter where we're at so Go ahead, if you can, go ahead and bow your heads and I'll, I'll pray for communion and I'll pray and end uh, the message now. Father God, Lord, again, we just want to thank you. I just come before you and I praise you for you. I praise you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness and your gentleness and your patience, Lord, your patience, your long suffering as you, you deal with us and you deal kindly with us, Lord. We thank you for you. We thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the true and living God and that he rose from the dead. And we don't have to worry about what is going to happen in the near future. We know that we have our hope that's secure in your son, Jesus Christ, that you've given us everything we need. You've given us the word of God to to. to, to to counsel and mark out the, the, the days of our lives, that we can govern our lives by, by your truths and your principles found in your book. And Father, we just praise you. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us, Lord, that you would grant us repentance, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts and our minds and our souls, that we could be right before you, Lord. And as we partake in communion, help us to remember what you've done, what you've done for us on a daily basis, Lord. Help us to not trample on the blood of Christ and call it common, Lord, but let us allow you to come into our hearts and do the cleanup work, do the restoration work that only you can do, Lord, that you could just bring to light things that we need to let go of, bring to light things that we need to do, Lord, and that you would give us the ability and the power through the Holy Spirit to accomplish these things for your honor and your glory. And so, Father, as we take this cracker, Lord, we, we acknowledge that it was the body of your son that was broken for us, Lord. Broken that we may be cleansed of sin. Broken that we may be put back together, Lord. So we take this, this bread and acknowledge, Lord, that it's you, it's what you did, and that we don't have to work to earn salvation, but it's been given to us freely. And Father, we we, we take this juice, Lord, and, and it symbolizes your blood, the blood that was spilled, the blood that was shed, the pure blood of the lamb, the perfect undefiled lamb. It had to be perfect 
unblemished by sin. And so we thank you. There was nobody but Jesus Christ who could have went to that cross to die for our sins. And so we're grateful. We're grateful that you provided that perfect sacrifice. No longer do lambs and goats and other animals need to be slaughtered just for a band-aid over the wound of sin. But now, once and for all, it is finished. It is done. The debt has been paid. And so we take this, this juice in remembrance of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I, I just pray, Lord, just for uh, the remainder of our time today, that we would remember you and that we would never lose sight of what you've done for us, Lord. The fact that you are continuing to intercede on our behalf, things we don't even know what to pray for, but you are providing that for us. Please, Father, give us the faith to endure the rest of the day and to look at it in a positive way, knowing that you have endured so much for us and that our trials will only last for so long. Father, may our hope rest upon you Father, we thank you and we love you. It is in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.